We are in a mini-series about how to read a scientific paper that led to the Nobel Prize. Using our practical steps, we will be able to read a paper in a field that we are unfamiliar with. Today, we will examine a key graph in a paper. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Foundational Skills in Life Sciences podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Synaptologica. We discuss the skills that life science scholars learn, use, and improve throughout professional activities. Your benefit is expressed in my motto, learn the skills, enjoy academic life. In the last episode, we quickly looked through the figures of our milestone article one. It is the paper written by the laureates of the Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine 2023. So it was step 10, navigate the figures and tables. In milestone article one, we found that there are six figures. Six is a standard number for paper figures. We also saw that most of the data are presented in a bar graph format. And in most of the bar graphs, the short bars indicated the good results in this paper. This navigation step helps us to get an overview of the results of the paper. But we also discussed a limitation or a drawback of the step. If we only scan the figures, it will be a little superficial. If we are not experienced, it could be a little challenging to understand the content of the figures simply by looking at the figures and without reading the details. Then I proposed one step to solve the problem. It will not solve it completely, but it will solve a major part of the problem. We will talk about that step today. If you have not yet listened to the earlier episodes of the mini-series on reading a paper, please start listening from episode number 7. That was the start of the mini-series. Today's episode. Today's episode is number 15, and it is part 8 of the mini-series on reading. Today we will talk about a single step. Step 11. Examine one graph in depth. In the last step 10, we have seen all the figures, but we do not read the details. In this step 11, we will focus on one figure. To be exact, we will focus on just one graph. This graph occupies a very small space among the figures. It is one of the three graphs in a figure panel, and there are four figure panels in a figure, and there are six figures in the paper. So this graph is one of many, but it is the most important data. We will examine its details so that we'll be able to understand its content in depth. Now, I have a question for you. There are three bar graphs in a figure panel, 3D. Please take a close look at the leftmost graph among the three. I know that you're listening to this episode now, but many of you might not be looking at the graph right now. To help you visualize it, I will try describing it in some detail. Please make sure that you look at it later when you have time. Look at it carefully yourself. Now, does the graph look familiar to you? I hope your answer is yes. Yes, we have seen it, even before we scanned all the figures in step 10. You will remember that this graph was shown in the video presentation for the Nobel Prize announcement. It was beautifully presented by a Nobel Committee member, Dr. Sandberg. We watched the video in episode 9. It must be an important graph, 
because it was shown in the award presentation video, and it was one of the only two data figures in that video. I think you do not need to understand all the figures in this paper completely, at least for the initial training of reading papers, but this graph is an exception. Let's spend a little more time on this graph and dive a little deeper. When we read this graph, an excellent guide for us will be the video presentation by the Nobel Committee. I would resort to it for assistance when the explanations in the Milestone article are not enough for us outside the field. The video presentation will help us interpret this graph very much. We have multiple substeps. We will cover the first three substeps today. We will cover the remaining substeps in the next episode. Step 11-1. Interpret the basic elements of the graph. In this sub-step, we will identify the basic elements of the graph. It is possible that the most important data in a paper are presented in a table, but I would say in most of the life science papers these days, the most important data are usually presented in a graph. Graphs are more visual than tables, and the messages are more easily demonstrated with graphs. So we will focus our discussion here on graphs. Let me first talk about what our graph shows in, a, in Milestone Article 1. This is based on what we learned from the video presentation. The graph shows the results of an experiment. In this experiment, different forms of RNA were introduced into the immune cells and the laureates measured the amounts of cytokines, immune-related chemicals, that were released from those cells in response to the RNA. Now, let's look at the graph. This is a bar graph. In this bar graph, the bars are laid out horizontally. The left side is the base. All the bars start at the left end, and the bars extend to the right side. The horizontal axis is a value axis, in a horizontal bar graph. According to the video presentation, this value axis represents a measured amount of, quote, inflammatory cytokines, close quote. That is, the chemical mediators of inflammation, which are released from immune cells, like dendritic cells. And the inflammatory cytokines were released when the experimentally introduced RNA was perceived as foreign by those cells. The measured cytokine was the tumor necrosis factor alpha, abbreviated as TNF-alpha, and this axis title is shown below the horizontal axis. When we read this graph, the type of cytokines is not so important, at least during our initial stage of reading experience. The vertical axis is a category axis in a horizontal bar graph. In this specific graph, the category axis represents the data categories or the specific experimental conditions. There are 12 horizontal bars in this graph. Each bar corresponds to a specific experimental condition, and each condition is explained by the label to the left of the category axis. The label shows what type of RNA was introduced to the immune cells, so the length of a bar shows the amount of released cytokine under that condition. By comparing the bar lengths, we will compare the experimental conditions so that we can decide which type of RNA stimulated the cytokine release and which type of RNA did not. 
we notice that some bars are long and the other bars are short. In fact, if I'm allowed to speak very roughly here, there are only two groups of bars in this graph, long and short. Then the important point of this graph is to read which bars are long and which bars are short. In the Nobel Committee video presentation, Dr. Sandberg highlighted four bars that were short. They were clustered near the middle. In fact, those bars are so short that we will not be able to see them. We know that there should be very short bars only because we can see the category labels to the left. They mean that under those four conditions, the cytokine release was almost completely suppressed and they were the conditions that the laureates were looking for. We wish all the experiments of ours will go like this. The measured results are almost all or none. The impacts of some treatments are so clear that there's no question about the effects. If you found a phenomenon that is so drastic as this graph, you must have found something very interesting and very important. I would like to congratulate you. Let's move on to the next sub-step to understand the graph more. Step 11-2. Look for explanations in the legend. Let's read the legend of the figure that we are talking about. A figure legend explains what is represented by each element in the figure. So it explains how to read each panel of the figure. It will explain what the experimental conditions were and what was measured. Usually the legend will also explain to what extent the measured values were statistically meaningful. Technically, we will say that a legend will explain whether the differences in the measured values were statistically significant. Figure legends in many papers are helpful, but figure legends in some papers are not so helpful. Unfortunately, the legend of figure 3 in our milestone article 1 may not be so helpful for us outside the immunology field. The description is concise, which is good, but because of that, the content is a little cryptic to us. But don't despair. Let's keep our hope alive. When a legend of a single figure is not so helpful, there can be at least two reasons. First, the legend explains only the keywords of the specific experimental conditions and not the general experimental procedures. This will happen when the same experimental procedures are repeatedly used in the paper, or when all experimental procedures are similar throughout the paper. In a case like this, I would start reading all the legends of the earlier figures in the same paper. There's a good possibility that the earlier legends explain the procedure as well. I took this approach when I read Milestone Article 1, and indeed, the legends of figures 1 and 2 were helpful for me to understand the legend of figure 3. Second, a legend of a single figure might not be helpful because the legend could contain abbreviations, and the abbreviations are used without full name definitions. In a case like this, I would look for the definitions in the legends of the earlier figures. If the abbreviations are not explained anywhere in the figure legends, they should be described in the main text so I would look for them in the main text. In life science papers, there's a standard convention. When the authors want to use an abbreviation, they write the full name, 
followed by the abbreviation in parentheses, where the word appears first in the paper. Here, I would like to give you my personal comments about the topic. I will call them the professor's viewpoint. Let me tell you about my personal approach to searching for abbreviations in the text. You might want to use a search function of a web browser or Adobe Acrobat software. You type in the abbreviation, and the search function will tell you where it is found in the paper. This method is fast and easy. But my approach is to do one thing before using the search function. It is to scan the entire text with your own eyes. So when I search for a specific word or abbreviation, I quickly scan the paper and look for the word. Only after that, I would use the search function as a confirmation of what I found. I like it because it will train my reading eyes. After getting used to this approach, I can pick up the target words pretty easily. Of course, the search function will help me when I cannot find the word myself. My two-step approach is not simply based on my personal taste. It is sometimes more helpful than the search function. In some papers, the full names are described first without their abbreviations in parentheses, or the abbreviations are used without formal definitions. Search function will not work well in those cases, but still, my eyes can pick the abbreviations and the full names flexibly when I pay attention to them. This is my pros tip for you. My approach worked well in our milestone article one. Here's the reason. The full names of the abbreviations are explained in the main text, not in the figure legends. And among the five nucleoside modifications, whose abbreviations appear in this graph, three of them were explained in a standard format, full names followed by the abbreviations in parentheses, where they appeared first in text. But two of the five nucleoside modifications are mentioned either by full names only or by abbreviations only, and not by both in a standard format. Please try my two-step approach and tell me how it goes with you. Let's get back to the main talk. Overall, the legend of this specific graph was helpful to some extent, but not so much for us outside the field. But I already read the legends of earlier figures, and I searched for the explanations of the abbreviations for you. In the next sub-step, I will explain to you what experiment was done to generate this graph, and how to read the graph in some detail. Step 11-3. Decipher the labels in the graph. After reading the figure legend, we will read the words in the graph. Those words, or labels, will tell us the experimental conditions so that we will understand the graph better. Many of them are familiar to us because they were explained in the video presentation. Many of them are abbreviated terms, but we have looked at their full name definitions in the previous substep. I will explain the labels here. At the top of the graph, we see DC1. This stands for the dendritic cells 1. According to the video presentation, dendritic cells are important in, quote, immune surveillance and vaccination, close quote. The laureates introduced specific RNA into the dendritic cells in this experiment. The laureates obtained two types of the so-called primary dendritic cells from the peripheral blood and named them 
DC1 and DC2. The panel figure 3D has three graphs. We are talking about the leftmost graph. This graph shows the result using the dendritic cells DC1, and the other two graphs show the results using the dendritic cells DC2. We already talked about the horizontal axis tidal, TNF-alpha. The horizontal axis shows the amount of TNF-alpha released from the dendritic cells. Now, among the category names on the vertical axis, we can find notations for the RNAs. All the biological RNAs in this graph were derived from the one called RNA-1571. I looked for its information in the methods section, which is called the experimental procedures section in this paper. The authors wrote, quote, the number in the name of the RNA specifies the length, close quote. This description is very helpful for us readers. So the number 1571 does not mean something like the year 1571. Instead, the RNA 1571 is an RNA with 1571 nucleotides. In the bar graph, this label RNA-1571 encompasses eight categories and their corresponding bars. It tells us that this RNA or its modified forms were introduced to the dendritic cells. Among the eight categories of this RNA, we can see the label unmodified at the top. It is the unmodified form of the RNA-1571. This bar is very long. The other seven categories of RNA-1571 show modified forms of the RNA. They correspond to five types of how the RNA nucleoside bases can be modified naturally and two combinations of them. In contrast to the long bar labeled unmodified, the bars labeled with three types of modified uridines are so short that the bars are almost invisible. Those three labels are 1. M5U for 5-methyluridine, and 2, S2U for 2-thiouridine, both ending with the abbreviation U for uridine, and 3, pseudouridine, abbreviated as the Greek alphabet psi. Now, let's integrate all these pieces of information together and interpret the bar graph. The graph says mainly three things. 1. The bar labeled as unmodified is very long. In other words, the RNA with unmodified nucleosides triggered a significant release of inflammatory cytokines from the dendritic cells. This is an undesirable outcome. 2. Conversely, the bars labeled with modified uridines are very short. In other words, when the RNA incorporated modified nucleosides of uridine, for example, pseudouridine in place of uridine, it eliminated the release of inflammatory cytokines almost completely. This is a highly favorable result. 3. So the Nobel laureates successfully suppressed the inflammatory responses triggered by the RNA. They did it by incorporating modified uridine, such as pseudouridine, in place of uridine. This is an outstanding finding. We can easily understand that this graph is important in this figure. I'm very happy to say that this graph partly led the laureates to the Nobel Prize in 2023. Let me explain this another way. 
This graph is not just an important figure in this paper, but also it is in fact the most important graph that guided many scientists and clinicians to develop the successful messenger RNA vaccines 15 years later during the COVID-19 pandemic. We can call it the milestone graph in our milestone article. Summary. Let's wrap up. In today's episode, we have started discussing one step. Step 11, examine one graph in depth. We have started reading the most important graph in Milestone Article 1. We divided the step into multiple substeps and talked about three of them. Step 11-1, interpret the basic elements of the graph. We discussed the horizontal and vertical axes, the axis titles, and the bar lengths. Step 11-2, look for explanations in the legend. To understand the graph, we will read the figure legend. We will obtain basic information, such as what the experimental conditions were and what was measured. When we find that the legend of the figure is not so helpful, we will read the legends of previous figures. If the legend contains abbreviations, but the legend does not explain them, we will look for the full name definitions in the legends of earlier figures or in the main text. Step 11-3, decipher the labels in the graph. In this sub-step, we relied heavily on the video presentation by the Nobel Committee. It was very helpful. So today, we learned that when we read a graph in a milestone article, we will get a huge help from the information in the other parts of the paper, like the figure legends and the main text. And we will also get a huge help from the information in the Nobel Committee video presentation. We always search for the necessary information flexibly from these two sources, the paper itself and the video presentation. This is it for today. Let's spend at least one more episode for discussing this graph. I will show you that we can read very much from a good graph. Your action. Please send me an email. I would like to communicate with you about your comments, suggestions, and criticisms. Constructive ones, please. My email address is ideas at synaptologica.com. Thank you for joining me in today's episode of Foundational Skills in Life Sciences. I am Dr. Synaptologica. I'm looking forward to connecting with you again. I'll see you soon. Bye for now.